Here's a sneak peek of what we have today. Really difficult to get like insider information about programs. Don't think about the money. Don't think about prestige. But what's the climate like for an ortho resident? The earlier you get into specialty, assuming you can like financially figure it out, the more fruitful it is. There's a lot to know about in dentistry. We should be having discussions about business, entrepreneurship, and innovation. So let's start right here, right now. This is the business of drilling. All right, so welcome back to the business of drilling. Really excited to have everyone listen in today. We have Dr. Jeremy Ho. Uh, he is young blood, but he's an incredible person. So he went to Western for undergrad. He then moved to U of T for dental school. And now he's doing his orthodontic residency at UBC. So Jeremy, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you doing? Thanks, guys. It's been great. Been looking forward to being on this podcast. Uh, can't believe it, but happy to be a guest here. So why don't we just kind of get right into it. Tell us about yourself. Like, what's your story? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, for sure. Um, never in a million years would I thought I'd actually be in orthodontics because when I was a kid, that was my dream. Uh, you know, like a lot of other people, I got braces. And it was the first time when I saw the orthodontist that I was like, wow, like, I don't know why he's so happy all the time. You know, he's so excited. And I'm like, I kind of want to be like him. But then I saw all the degrees on his wall and I was like, I don't know if I could be him. He's, he's too accomplished. He's too bright. There's too much school involved. And then I think sometime in high school and undergrad, I was kind of interested in medicine. But then a good friend of mine told me about dentistry and he said that it'd be a good fit for me. The idea that I could do private practice, uh, the, the ability to take care of patients under my own roof the way I want to, the, the ability to kind of mold dentistry to kind of Fit the lifestyle I'd like uh, really, really attracted me towards dentistry. And then the moment I decided to apply to dental school was the moment I was like, I really want to try for ortho. So that was kind of my major goal in dental school. And then, um, you know, I know UBC took students from dental school straight out of fourth year. So I was like, I'll just apply. Uh, I also applied to the States as well. And then, you know, somehow I miraculously matched the UBC and now I'm here. Right on. So you're like a living, breathing example of, you know, like people go into dental school knowing that they want to do specific things, but like the running joke, you know, everyone gets in dental school and it's like, they want to be an oral surgeon or an orthodontist. Right. And then by fourth year, everyone's like, just, just get me out of here. I'm done. But you actually went through with it and you're, you know, you're, you're in ortho residency now. What year are you in? I'm in first year. And you know, it's funny you brought that up because I've always looked at my dental education as seven years and not four. So I never had that kind of like, mindset where, you know, I'm done, like in fourth year, I'm done. I can't do anymore. I want to go out into the real world and start working. Like I always told myself it's going to be a marathon. And, you know, I, I'm in first year right now, but I'm telling you, like, I love it. And I'm, I'm so grateful to be in the program that I'm in right now. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, definitely takes a lot. Like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm very tired of school. Like I, I'm definitely have the mentality that like, I want to just go work, but at the same time, it's like, hey, you know what, you know, what uh, opportunity cost is it to go into a residency or not? Or is it, I've never heard anyone sort of um, be upset with their decision to go into a specialty right out of school. But at the same time, it's kind of hard to battle that mentality of like, oh, well, I can go out working. And dentistry is one of the professions that I think is really cool, which is something I didn't know about it uh, until I got in was you don't need to specialize right away, right? And that's the general theme for a lot of people, but you were just sure of it and you kind of went with it. So that was pretty sweet. Um, can you talk about your application, like how the process went for orthodontic residency? What was it like applying to ortho residencies? Yeah, good question. So for me, I kind of had to ask myself, am I picky about location? And the answer was no. I, I really wanted to do ortho so badly. I knew that I wanted to do it as soon as possible. So I applied all across North America. 
I applied to 17 programs. I did apply to a couple of GPRs as well in case I didn't get into ortho. At least I might be able to do a GPR in the meantime. But um, I applied to UBC and 16 programs in the States. Um, and how it works is we call it kind of like a match process. It's very similar to medicine in the sense like you apply to programs, you get interviews, you rank the programs uh, that you interview at in terms of your preference. And those programs rank the interviewees in terms of their preference. And then there's an algorithm that magically spits out where you're supposed to match and go. Um, so I ended up getting six interviews, UBC, and then I also got five interviews in the States. I, I, I pretty much lost a lot of clinic time. I, I skipped a lot of school, um, definitely uh, had to, you know, do a lot of interviews and they were all on Zoom though. So I never had to travel anywhere. So it saved a lot on travel costs, but every other day was either a social or an interview. And at some point, like those nerves are just gone because they ask you the same things over and over again. And by the time I had my UBC interview, which was my final ortho interview, um, even though that was like a four hour MMI, I just was like, you know what? I've done this so many times. It's totally fine. And then I ended up ranking UBC very high. And then I ended up matching there. Um, and it's really funny because this process really teaches you a lot about yourself, like because they ask you so many personal questions and it really, it really does make you think about why you're doing ortho and what your interests are outside of ortho because they're really interested in that. And it really just confirmed that this is what I wanted to. And it's also funny because I actually filmed myself reacting to every single time I got an interview. I have like all these videos and sometimes I watch them because when times get tough, I, I look back, I'm like, that was me. And I want to like preserve that energy for when times are difficult. And I'm like, honestly, I'm living the dream right now. I hate, I hate asking this man. Honestly, like good for you. Like I'm, I'm like, I can't imagine what it feels like. I mean, I can't imagine cause I got to dental school, but I can't imagine it twice, you know? <laughs> um, and I hate asking this question because no one should approach an interview or an application like this, but what really makes a good ortho applicant? You know, that's a great question. I think, I think it's a lot of things because different schools I found look for different things, but this is the way I would look at it. You have to be good enough academically that, you know, let's say the program has like a graduate school, you've got to be able to at least meet those requirements, but you've also got to be like, I would say like top quarter, ideally top 10%. Like I met so many people at the interviews in the States, especially who are like, top 10%, number one, number two, very, very strong academically. But academics aside, I think you've got to be someone who has some sort of like interesting hook to them. Like um, at the interviews, I met so many people who had such charisma or they had some special interest. Like I met people who were like from the military or I met people who had some special talent in, you know, the arts or they had some cool like story or they had a lot of cool research. You have to also have that. And then at the interviews, you also got to be someone who people want to be around you for the next two, three years. You've got to show like your personable side. You don't just know how to study. You're not just book smart, but you're good with people. Um, so it's a myriad of factors. And it's, it's hard to say exactly what programs look for, but 
at the different interviews, it was kind of clear that those were the different attributes that they cared a lot more about once you hit the academic requirements. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember when I was <clears throat> when I was applying to dental schools, I was I was like trying to answer that question myself. Like, well, what are these dental schools looking for? Um, and I, I wasn't trying to like change myself, but I was trying to like focus on what parts of myself uh, best fit the application. And then at some point, I was I was just like screw this. I'm just going to start being myself and, and then hopefully like me. And if they don't like me, then like, I, I don't, I shouldn't be at this place. And that's kind of like the, the, the perspective and, 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 um, and the method I was going for, like, I was using at the dental school interviews and I guess it worked, but I, um, I mean, I, I think that's like the recipe, right? Just to be yourself and then show like the best side of you. Right. Oh yeah, man, Chris, like, they asked some questions about your quirkiness. And so I talked to them about like the foods I can cook. Uh, I talked to them about like the things I enjoy doing, like berry picking. I talked to them about what times of the year certain berries are ripe. And they were so <laughs> into those discussions. They're like, really? Like you can't pick strawberries in May or you can't pick blueberries in August or whatever it was. And we were just having this like back and forth discussion about it. Um, actually one of the programs asked me to sing a song, like no they, will throw, they will throw like curveballs at you. And part of being a good interviewee is knowing that even in a stressful situation to, as you mentioned, like to be yourself and just, just enjoy it. Like, that's the thing. Like people say like, Oh, how do I practice for interviews? I'm like, you don't have to practice for it as much as you just need to know yourself well and to present yourself in the best light possible and just enjoy it. Like, just, just like take a deep breath and just approach them with the best version of yourself you can be in and it'll be fine. Yeah, agreed. I, I remember I did a NYU interview for, and, uh, and I'm not even joking. The interview, the actual process of getting to know me was about like 15 minutes. And for 45 minutes, we were just talking about food. Because like, <laughs> we were in New York City and she's like, oh my God, you need to try this place and that place. And like, so just having a good conversation will probably get you a long way. I remember when I was interviewing for, for dental school, someone said to me, you know, like they're interviewing you, but at the same time, um, you're interviewing them. Like you, you need to see if this place is going to be a good fit for you. And you mentioned this ranking system. And I was wondering, besides location, what are some things that people should keep in mind when they're ranking um, the schools that they're potentially going to attend? Yeah, I mean, there's so many factors and every person's set of preferences is going to be very like specific to themselves. For me, I wanted to go to a program that was more contemporary in teaching, you know, like orthodontics. And one of the reasons why I love it so much is because it's very, it's very influenced by technology and things in orthodontics are moving so rapidly these days. You guys know, like clear aligners, people are printing their own 3D aligners. There's so much digital dentistry and orthodontics. And there are some programs that were really good at the bread and butter. But then there's other programs that were so good with like the digital dentistry that I was like, I really want to go there. And, you know, you guys are in dental school now. I know you guys know about lab work and stuff like that. That did factor into my um, decision making as well. Because some schools are like, we do a lot of lab work. You have to stay behind. You have to do all these pouring up and you have to make all these appliances. And then their programs are like, you know, we scan everything. You know, you don't have to like stay behind and do all that stuff. You can if you want. We rarely do alginates. And I was like, I'm sold. I want to go to that program. And that was UBC. Um, also, like just, uh, you know, like I said, I applied across America and like 
distance does matter to a certain extent. Um, city does matter. So location, obviously. But the other thing that people don't think about is, in my opinion, uh, the program director. So the program director is the head of the program. And I met every program director at the programs I, I interviewed at. And some program directors, you just feel like, I want to learn from them. I want to like, I really believe in the vision they're, they're going for. And other program directors, like, they're really good people. Um, but it's a little bit different. It's just the vibe you get. And then also speaking with residents, like how they felt about the whole uh, program, like what they liked, what they didn't like. Uh, look at, you know, like the work-life balance of the program. Um, there's just so many different factors that matter for different people. But ultimately, like everything put together made me kind of realize, okay, this is how I'm going to rank this program over the other. And obviously ortho, just like a lot of other dental specialty residencies, like we have to pay tuition. So tuition costs also factor in cost of living in the city. Like I interviewed at Columbia, for example, and I'm sure you guys know, like living in New York is not cheap compared to living in London, Ontario. So those things also matter. Um, but in the end, I feel like you also have to go with your gut. Like, where are you going to be happy for the next two to three years? Because you might have to pay a little bit more to go to one program. But if you can see yourself being happier there, I think it's worth it as long as you can afford it. So, Jeremy, along those lines, right, like how would how would people go about getting this kind of information from programs? Because we've we've had, you know, a few suggestions here or there. But for the most part, you know, it seems pretty specific to the individual of how they go about finding different things. So did you go out and talk to people from the program or did you talk to past residents? What was your process to figure that out? You hit the nail on the head. It's really difficult to get like insider information about programs. You know, like obviously every program will have their kind of like um way to present information to you. They'll have like some sort of uh, social and they'll have a PowerPoint and stuff like that. And you'll be able to ask residents questions. But for me, I found that I was able to get a lot of information uh, online. So I met people from forums like Student Doctor Network. I actually met someone from Reddit who uh, told me about a couple of the programs that I was interviewing at. He's like, oh, be sure to you know, impress this person by saying this. This program is like that. And I even referenced that person um, in one of my interviews because he knew one of the panelists and that person was laughing because he knew who that person was. And uh, ultimately that person said like, you did really well in your interview. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, uh, these connections all seem to kind of come together. So honestly, it's a mishmash of like just getting information from presentations, speaking to residents, but also sometimes it's a bit about just like, forums and just talking to people who know people. So it's, it's hard to get like exact information. And even I remember I went to an interview and the program director said, you know, like every program is good, but at the same time, you should come to our program because of blah, 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 blah. And you just need to take a leap of faith that I will catch you when you fall or you sink in the program. I actually ranked that program really high because I really liked what he said and I trusted what he said. And I also met alumni, which is another way of knowing about the programs. I met alumni who practice in Canada now, and all of them are doing very well. And I talked to them and they speak really highly of the program. It was a little bit more expensive, but they said it was worth the, the experience and the education. So there's so many different ways to get information, but also at the end of the day, you have to trust your gut and you have to take that leap of faith as well. So, so Jeremy, what 
what's ortho residency like? Like what, what, what's your plan for the next two, three years? And you know, what's your day to day like? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's eight to five every day, but obviously we have a lot of work before and after those hours. Um, so I started back in July and in July we actually, uh, started seeing some patients for records, but then we also spent a lot of time uh, doing graduate courses. So part of an ortho program is not just the clinical component or even learning about orthodontics. It's also about the master's component and being a graduate student. So a lot of these programs in North America will have the diploma for ortho, but also the MSc. And you need both um, in order to actually graduate from, from these programs. And so we did a lot of you know graduate programs with a lot of other residents from other specialties. So we got to meet a lot of other first years. Um, so we're still learning things like radiology, statistics, et cetera. But now in September, we're going back into clinic and I've been able to have the chance to book patients in, to see patients. We're starting to work up treatment plans. Um, you know, we don't see patients eight to five every day. We have clinic, you know, on certain times and days of the week, but the rest of the week, you know, we might be working on our master's project. We might be with the other residents and instructors. We're planning treatment. So we're in this big seminar room. We present our cases and we just discuss it. Um, you know, there's a lot of seminars where we discuss papers that are going to be part of our board exams for the American Board of Orthodontics, as well as for our Canadian boards. Um, there's a lot that goes on in residency. It's not just treating patients. It's not just learning about ortho. There's so many hats you have to wear. Um, and it's it's demanding. I remember our clinical director, who's a fantastic guy. He's a pediatric dentist and an orthodontist, super brilliant. And he told us on the very first day of residency that if you thought you worked hard before in your life, you have not worked hard until you finished first year at UBC. And he's like, you are going to drink out of a fire hydrant is exactly what he said. And he is not joking. I mean, the, the, the learning curve for ortho is nothing like endo or perio, where you get a good taste of it in dental school. In ortho, you really don't know that much in dental school because it's like a different language. There's just not enough time to teach dental students ortho. But in residency in first year, you have to learn the basics. And so the learning curve is ridiculous. On Thursday, I was you know, treatment planning a couple of surgical cases. These are double jaw surgery cases. I would have never thought in a million years that like I'd be able to do this in dental school. And then suddenly in residency, they throw you into the deep end. And now you're talking about mandibular advancement surgery, maxillary impaction surgery on a, on a patient who needs, uh, you know, mini implants and headgear and all these things. And now it doesn't feel as foreign anymore because in residency, you really have to, it's, it's really like self-directed as well. And so you just have to throw yourself into the deep end and learn as much as you can, because that's what residency is about. So what are, what are like the biggest differences between dental school then and your ortho residency? Like what would be the biggest standout points? I think for me, like, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like my whole life, I've always had to care about what marks I get, you know, in high school, in undergrad, in dental school, right. To get to the next program. But in residency, this is kind of like the final destination. This is, this is it. After residency, you're out there, you're practicing, um, you're, you're, you're a specialist, and there's no more school to do unless you do a fellowship. But unless, typically, there's no more school to do. So my mindset really changed in residency that I don't mind if I you know, don't get a 95. It doesn't matter. As long as I do my best, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to learn. This is the time to 
to, to, to try things and to make mistakes and to learn and absorb as much as you can. So I go in every day, not having the stress and pressure of, I need to get this certain mark. I go in every day being grateful, being like, I get the chance to see this patient, work up this case, you know, learn as much as I can. So my mindset is not, oh, grades and grades and grades. Because sometimes in dental school, I felt like if you wanted to do well, you'd have to kind of compromise on what you could learn clinically. Like sometimes, oh, I, I couldn't, you know, um, focus as much on the clinical aspect because I have to study for X, Y, Z exam. But in residency, my goal is clinical. It's to learn as much as I can because when I'm out there, um, you know, I better know my stuff. I better know, you know, how to deal with the most difficult cases because I'm going to be a specialist. So it's really different. And to me, it's actually a lot less stressful because even though in residency, there's a lot more work, I feel like work is work, but there's no uncertainty and stress that I need to apply for another program. So I really love it every single day, even though I might only have, I had a one minute lunch on Friday, but I didn't care. You know, I was totally fine with it because I learned so much. I placed brackets for the first time on my patient that day. And I ran to present a case right after that. I had such a good time. So my mindset's totally different. And I'm I'm very happy here. Is, is there anything that, that that's like surprising you about residency? Is something that you didn't expect and either that you like or don't like? I feel like the level of independence you get, like in dental school, they really try to hold your hand. Like, you know, uh, when you do like a filling, for example, you know, they, you have to like show them you did the freezing, then you did the prep, you did the rubber dam. Like there's so much handholding, but in residency, it's like, they expect you to be a doctor. They expect you to, to, to have the responsibilities and the, the, the ability to hold yourself as a professional, not really as a student anymore. So you have more independence. They don't come by your chairs often. Um, so that was kind of what threw me off. And then like, I think the fact that you, and, and this is really interesting because like in dental school, I felt like I was doing so many hours. It was like a grind. And even though in residency, it is a grind, I actually really like the grind in residency because you're like learning stuff you're actually going to put towards practice. But in dental school, I knew like I wanted to do ortho. So I'm like, I don't care about partial dentures. I don't care about relining a denture or like doing an endo or like, I mean, I kind of care because, you know, I have to do on a patient, but like in residency, it's like, I'm working really hard, but I don't mind working really hard. I don't complain about it. I really embrace it. And I enjoy it. And I'm, you know, held to a level of a professional, a doctor. And like, that's kind of a cool thing because I'm 25 and like, I've never had this level of independence in a school setting before. So it's still kind of like new to me. And I, I think it's cool. It's pretty sweet. It's tough to love all aspects of dental school. Like it's not, it's unrealistic to say like, yeah, I love every part of it. You know what I mean? Um, so it's kind of cool that you're there. Congratulations. So how, like you kind of express that, you know, you, um, you wanted to do ortho your whole life. Right. But like, isn't it like, how, how were you so sure from dental school and like what specifically led you in this direction that like you knew that this is the only direction that you wanted to take? Yeah. Um, so after my, okay, so I have to kind of go back and track a little bit. So there's this conventional wisdom or advice that people give. It's like, don't do anything the summer before dental school. Um, and so I did not do that. I did a lot of dental research. I actually flew uh, to Hong Kong, so halfway across the around the world, to do dental research in ortho and oral radiology. And you know, I had such a great time. And it was there that I met the program director of ortho at UCLA. 
So because of that, the next summer after I flew to LA uh, on a trip with my family and I had the chance to visit UCLA and I was immersed in that environment. I'm like, wow, like this is what ortho residency is about. And then along the way there, I had the chance to visit an orthodontist um, who allowed me to actually shadow for an afternoon. And I just sat there in his office and I saw how fast he saw his patients. It was like, boom, 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 boom. Then he was in his back room and he was showing me like he was watching football. He was on his Instagram. He was showing me like stuff on eBay. And I was like, this is nothing like general dentistry. Like what is going on here? And then he's like, listen, man, like ortho is an incredible specialty. And I really hope you think about it carefully because, you know, like I have so much fun at work. The patients are so happy to be here. It's such an enjoyable environment. Like what other office, what other specialty can you play like post Malone in your office? And people would be down to hear that stuff. It's such a great environment. And I thought to myself, after I left that office, I was like, I need to do this. Like I am fully convinced like ortho is the way to go. And so, you know, I just told myself I had to keep up with the research. I had to do well in school. And then I shadowed more orthodontists, you know, um, specifically in the greater Toronto area. And I love the fact that every single orthodontist had their own way of practicing. Some people were also super fast. They saw 100 patients a day and they didn't break a sweat. Half the time they were in their back office planning treatment. And then I saw other orthodontists who were seeing maybe like 40 patients a day. They had these beautiful murals of sports athletes. They designed the office in such an amazing way. They had like a photo shoot area for patients after they finished treatment. They had like a gong that they would like bang after they, they finished treatment. People would sing around them. Like, and I was like, this is fun. Like I want my, my career to not just be, you know, like doing the clinical stuff, but I want to have fun with it. I'm not saying you can't have fun with the other specialties, but in ortho, it's like, it just takes it to another level. And I was like, the fact that everyone can do it the way they want to and personalize their office the way they want to and have so much fun. I'm thoroughly convinced I could do this and I could do this for a very long time because orthodontists, they say they never retire. They, they just die. They, they work until their seventies. I've, I bet some work until their eighties. Like it is an incredibly rewarding profession and it's, it's not hard on your body. It's not hard on your back and neck. So people do it forever. And it's, it's a, it's a profession where the more experience you get, the better you are at treatment planning, the more cases you see, the better you get that wisdom really translates into your later years of your profession. So that's why orthodontists are so happy. You know, we're a happy field. Patients are happy. It's incredible. I could talk about this for days. No, it's good. It, it, it's it's really like cool to see someone really passionate about it, right? Because I think that's exactly the sort of mentality that you need to have. The reason I asked, you know, you know how you know you were so sure, because I, I feel like a big, a big topic of debate among dental students and in the profession is like, you know, the first couple of years of experience you have out of school where, you know, if you don't figure yourself out in dental school or you don't specifically have a direction that you want to focus on, right? Usually at the first year or two that you associate, you kind of realize what you like and don't like. like we had a really cool guest uh, from one of our first episodes. She went out and practiced and realized when she was practicing that she wanted to specialize. She was like, general dentistry is not for me. And even though she was really excited to go and practice general dentistry, she figured it out that year, right? So, you know, having that uh, clinical skill set, like, do you do you ever think about, you know, maybe I missed out on like some sort of experience that I think I would have liked by working as a general dentist? Or are you just content with the way that you're going? 
You know, I think that's such a good question. I think that's why in my four years of dental school, I had one mission and that was to figure out like what I like and what I don't like. Because once I figure out what I like and what I don't like, I'm pretty like set on that because I just know myself very well. So I spent so much time shadowing. I had really good mentors um, and I had people who, you know, were willing to tell me how this side of, you know, the business side of life is as a general dentist. And the clinical side is I got to see their day sheets, their schedules, and they would tell me, listen, if you're a general dentist, this is how your day is going to be like with your doctor column, your hygiene columns. But if you're an endodontist, this is how your day is like. Like I shadowed and I spoke to as many people as I could. And the more I learned, the more I realized, like, you have to really find something that matches your personality because, you know, you'll find like people are passionate about different areas of dentistry, just like I'm passionate about orthodontics, but it's because their personality fits them really well. Like I don't mind doing resto. I don't mind. I actually really enjoy doing exos. I love suturing, but I ask myself in five, 10, 15 years when all that kind of isn't as interesting anymore, because you've done so many cases, what's going to be the thing that stays in your career that you enjoy that gets you up in the morning every day. And for me, that's something I get in ortho is the fact that it's fun. It's the fact that I get to, you know, walk into the office and I get to deal with puzzles all day. Like the thing I like about ortho is that no two cases are the same. And when you present a case, this is what my third year uh, resident said, and I, and I truly agree with it. If you present a case in front of a thousand orthodontists, you'll get a thousand different answers because orthodontics is a true puzzle. Like there's no one way to skin a cat. And the fact that everyone has their own perspective of it is so interesting. And every case is different. And the combinations of treatment plans and this and that makes orthodontics so fun. Like it keeps you on your feet and the technology and everything. It, it really is advancing so quickly. And so I feel like even in 5, 10, 15 years, when you know this stuff, no matter what kind of becomes the same old, same old, there's enough that gets me excited to practice for a long time. So I think it's about personality. And I also think about how you project yourself in the future, whether or not that will still captivate you. Because for me, that's why I ended up picking the specialty I did. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about that then, you know, like five years out, like how do you, like, where do you see your career going? What, what are your plans as, you know, practicing orthodontist? Are you associating? Are you going to plan on owning? You're going to work for a DSO. Uh, what are your goals in that sense? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's so many options, you know, in orthodontics uh, nowadays, there's not just the work for an ortho office. There's not just an own an ortho office or start one. Um, there's also the options of working for a pediatric dentist partnering with orthodontist or pediatric dentist, working for a general dentist, uh, working for DSO or corp, and then buying equity. So there's so many different options. And uh, recently I was presented with like different opportunities. And so it is very overwhelming. Um, I, I would say I don't exactly know because there's just too many factors to consider, even geography, et cetera. But I will say that the most important thing I want to do in five years is to be an excellent clinician and to be able to run a practice practice in a way that's able to put patients first and allow me to have enough volume of patients to do that. Because in orthodontics, like you need enough patients to really get yourself like 
busy because you can't just see like 20 a day. That's just not, that's not fast enough. There's, there's, there's just not, there's just too many holes in your schedule. So I want to be in a practice where I have enough patience to see, and I want to titrate and see if that's going to be 40 a day, a hundred a day. So I don't know exactly what the setup is going to be like, because I've been presented with different opportunities, but I will say like a is patient care and B is figuring out how I can create a schedule that allows me to practice the way I want to and achieve the work-life balance that I want. So what, like, what are the opportunities for an orthodontist to practice? Like I, I'm, I know nothing about it. So like, what options do you have to work? Yeah. As I mentioned before, you know, there's obviously the more common ways, uh, you know, you work for an office, an orthodontic office, and then maybe you become a partner or even buy out the owner. You could start up an office, uh, depending on the demographics, you might have to open multiple offices to stay busy. You know, in orthodontics, it's really different because, because we see so many patients every single day. Um, some orthodontists have to open multiple practices to stay busy. Like I know orthodontists who own like four offices because they go to one office on Monday, then Tuesday, then Wednesday, then Thursday. Um, otherwise they wouldn't have enough work to do for the rest of the week. Um, there's people, there's a lot of young orthodontists who are working for one of the two big corporations now in Canada. You know, there's Chorus, which is more of a DSO. Uh, and then there's also Canadian Orthodontic Partners, which, um, you know, is more of a corp style. Uh, and there's, you know, differences between both, but essentially it's an opportunity for them to work for an established office. They have all the management and all the payroll and staffing and HR figured out, and they just go in and practice the way they want to. They have a package where it's like a per diem and a bonus, and then they might buy into equity. Um, There's stuff like that. And then there's obviously the other, and in my opinion, very exciting opportunity where, you know, you're the in-house specialist because there's always been the idea of being an in-house specialist as an endodontist or a periodontist or an oral surgeon, but slowly we're starting to see uh, this kind of setup for ortho. And it's hard because the ortho setup is really different from perio or endo in the sense like you need enough columns, you need enough chairs, enough patients, because ortho is one of those specialties where you have to have enough volume to be efficient. Otherwise, like the lab fees are too high. It's just not worth your time. You know, you need enough skilled uh, assistants and hygienists on board. Like you want to run like a mini office inside of general practice office or a pediatric dentist office. So there are so many options and that's what makes ortho also so interesting because like I said, there's not one way to skin a cat. And I see a lot of these young grads, they like choose one option, they choose another option. There's no one best option. It just really depends on what you're looking for in your career. Do you want mentorship? Do you want more support? That might be a DSO Corp or working for an existing office. Do you want more business autonomy? That might be starting your own place and growing, uh, you know, multiple offices? Or do you want to practice with another clinician for interdisciplinary care? That might be working for GP or pediatric dentist or partnering with them. So the sky's the limit. I think that's the great thing about ortho. But what's the climate like for an ortho resident? Like, do you feel confident in like the job market? Like, how do you feel about the, the different, like disrupting industries like Smile Direct Club and all that stuff? There's a lot of discussion about general dentists doing Invisalign or even bracket ortho. The thing guys is like, as I mentioned before, ortho is only really worth doing as a general dentist if you have enough volume, because if you do Invisalign and you look at the lab fee for a comprehensive case, it's like $23.99 for Canada. 
it's really expensive. And, you know, if you charge five, 6,000, whatever that is, that's like 40 something percent, you know, like as opposed to you doing resto or you doing a crown, right? Like, and not to mention the chair time you need, not to mention like there's a lot of other factors and fees. Your lab fees already so much. So if you're not doing enough volume and getting that bulk discount, it might not be worth it. The, the other thing I would say is that you have to have an investment. Like you have to buy an Ontario machine. You might have to buy a pan and Seth machine, like sorry, a Seth machine. So there's other factors that go into it. You have to do enough ortho for it to be worth it. Um, the other thing I want to say, and this is something that I guess we're lucky as in orthodontics is ortho is more of a household name amongst the general public. Like people know what an orthodontist is. And unlike some other specialties, um, we can market directly to the public. So people, whether it's word of mouth or uh, directly marketing to the public, people will seek out an orthodontist. You know, I've never really heard of people seeking out an endodontist. I could be wrong, but people definitely be, uh, hear about, oh, like this ortho office is good. And they just go there. They don't even go to their general dentist. They might, but they know, okay, this office, uh, my friend's daughter went there and she had a good experience. So I'm going to take my kids there. Um, and then obviously that's going to be a boon for us because even if the referral market is not as strong anymore, which is what we're seeing, we have other ways of still having enough patience in the office. The other thing I want to say is that in this day and age of social media, we have more and more people who want to look good. And we have more and more people who want braces or clear aligners. And clear aligners is really the thing that's changed orthodontics because now people are like, well, I don't need these metal chiclets on my teeth and I can still have a great smile. So people who didn't want braces before, especially these young adults who resisted it, now they're like, well, I have a clear option that can still make me look really good. So there's a market and this is the reason why the adult market is increasing every single year. Like the percentage is, is quite staggering is because we have a market that used to not be there and now it's growing and growing and growing. So there's definitely threats, you know, as you mentioned, smile director, uh, general dentist or pediatric dentist doing uh, Invisalign or, or bracket ortho, but there's also an expanding market. There are more and more people who want to look good. They want to look great. And nowadays parents budget orthodontics for the kids. You know, it's almost like a rite of passage when you're in like, you know, grade seven, grade eight, or even high school. People are like, yeah, I think everyone gets braces. So I think I should get it too. So it's so commonplace these days. There's so many factors that support its growth as a profession that even if there are threats, I think we'll be okay. And bottom line is if you love what you do and you're good at what you do, people will take notice and your office will do well as well. And if you're also good in terms of knowing how to grow your business, your you've got a little bit of the entrepreneurial aspect in you, you're going to do more than fine as an orthodontist, in my opinion. See, this is stuff you don't get on forums. <laughs> <laughs> well, the forums tell you one thing. They got to tell you the doom and gloom. Otherwise, there's not enough discussion. But there's there's a lot that goes into ortho that I think um, the only way you learn about it is really by like talking to orthodontists and talk to not just the older ones, the veterans, but talk to the younger ones as well. Like, I have not really met an unhappy orthodontist because maybe they're not making, uh, you know, the, the, the most money in the world, but they love what they do. And I think 
in life, you have to optimize for that. You can't just be like, I want to make like X, Y, Z. You have to also optimize your happiness as well, because, you know, you're going to work every day. You have to do this day in, day out. So if you don't love what you do and you're just worried about, oh, I'm not making as much as I could have because of Smile Direct, I just don't think that's the best recipe to approach your career. So everything matters. It's it's like so, it's crazy how little they teach you about um, ortho and it's like, and I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you did your research, Jeremy, and, 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 and I'm sure you wouldn't have got to the place you are without mentors. And it's kind of like crazy thinking about it, how important mentors are and how important shadowing is. And maybe like a good question to ask you is that how did you approach your shadowing, uh, experiences and how did you reach out? How did you, uh, what did you learn the most? Cause obviously uh, shadowing in orthodontic uh, office. You don't learn everything you need to about uh, ortho. Or it's, it's not. It's not. You didn't go into ortho because the s- specific uh, things you learn. But it's about like the lifestyle. Like, what did you take most out of your shadowing experiences? So I'll have to take you guys back to my undergrad because that's where I found my first mentor. I actually met him through Dental Town. He was one of the very few dentists from Ontario who had an account. And so I I talked to him and then we ended up texting back and forth a lot. And he's a general dentist, but he runs what I believe is kind of like an ideal practice. Just an hour from the GTA, works four days a week. And he showed me all of his financial statements. He did a startup. So he told me the monthly breakdown of billings. He just told me like the first two years are really tough, but look, look at the growth and the progression. He's got a beautiful office, six ops. He does like so many things. He only, the only thing he doesn't do is ortho, funny enough. Um, so I had a chance to visit his office, get to know his staff. I assisted at his office for a bit. I lived in the area and I was like, oh, maybe I should do that. And then he told me, listen, man, you're young. You know, I graduated when I was 27. And if I graduated when I was your age at 25, I would have considered specialty. And I, t- I asked him, I was like, well, why is that? Because you're doing super well. You're like, extremely successful as a general dentist, you are living a lot of people's dreams. And he said, it's because when I look at the orthodontist, um, I'm like, they have such a great life and they're doing even better or they just really enjoy it. And I think I'd enjoy it a lot too. And so if you are young and you have the energy to specialize, you will not regret it. And so I took that experience and I thought to myself, okay, I got to visit more offices. I got to visit like a variety of specialist offices. I then found ways to do that by going through. So we have this frat at U of T. It's called Alpha Omega. I think you guys have it at Western as well. So they have this observership program. And I had a chance to visit a lot of different offices through their alumni. And so I specifically visited a couple of offices in Perio, uh, Endo, Ortho. And I would say like in the Ortho offices, it just really blew me away how much fun and how good of experience the patients had, the the orthodontist had, and they even had the chance to have lunch with me to sit down and ask about my career goals. Like it was, I just felt like they really cared about what I wanted to pursue. And so I remember like when I was applying to programs, I, I let them know and they gave me advice. And then when I got in, they were over the moon. They were so happy. They had to tell the other orthodontist in the office about being part of the profession. And I remember the one thing they told me was welcome to the club. Like you're in like, you know, and I think from that moment on, I realized how special a field ortho is. 
And so I feel like when you shadow, you get a glimpse of things that you don't really get in dental school, but you also don't want to shadow just for the sake of shadowing and standing there. You have to ask questions. You have to inquire about like the schedule, um, the pain points of being an, a business owner. What are the things they love about their day-to-day? What are the things that are difficult? Because behind closed doors in shadowing, I've met uh, whether it's GPs or specialists who are like, you know, like, I won't tell my staff this, but you need to know this and that about the office um, and the ugly stuff. And like, when, when they can tell that you're interested in learning more, they will open up more. And the more you're in dental school, the more you learn and the more you can discuss with them on a more professional level, the more they're willing to open up to you. And so I found like these clinicians were willing to open up to me about the pros and cons about what they were doing. And that was enough information to help me determine that I should specialize. The other thing that was really interesting, it has nothing to do with shadowing, is I have this financial advisor, Vic Jindal, fantastic guy. I'm sure you guys know of him. And his sister is an orthodontist uh, with a very successful practice in London. And so I told him, you know, I'm thinking about specializing. And he said something to me that really confirmed that I should be specializing. He said, listen, if you don't get into ortho the first time, apply a second time, apply a third time, because this is a great field. And obviously he's kind of biased because of his sister, but his conviction and the fact that he has so many clients who are dentists and specialists really made me feel comfortable that despite all the threats in our field, despite all the things that could be negative about our field moving forward, there's enough positives, there's enough reason to pursue orthodontics. And he also said one more thing that really struck out to me. He said, I know a lot of general dentists who do a ton of ortho, but they wouldn't do ortho on their own kids. They would still send their kids to the orthodontist. And he said, why do you think that is? And so that always struck out to me as I want to be excellent at what I do. I don't want to just dabble in ortho. I want to do ortho day in, day out and be an expert at it. So that passion, speaking to so many people, all the shadowing experiences really culminated in me deciding this is the right path for me. And I didn't want to waste any time. I knew exactly what I wanted. So I jumped into residency as soon as I could. That makes sense, actually. You know, I, I like I spent some time shadowing, but I never really got it. Like, I don't think I've ever asked about like, you know, what, what the worst part is about them owning a practice or whatnot. Like that's, uh, I got to do that. <laughs> sometimes it's not about asking them. Like sometimes like I, I'd be in the back office, right? Uh, and then they come in and they're just like, oh, I have to do this paperwork. Oh, this staff is this and that. Um, so it's sometimes it's not even about asking them. It's about seeing their body language. It's seeing like how they feel about certain things. And then you picking up on it. Like there's just these little things here and there you pick up. And then all these little insights add up to something meaningful for you to realize, oh, maybe like I don't want to own or maybe... I want to own, but I want to have a partner because sometimes I want to discuss cases and sometimes it's better to have someone there as well. So it, it sometimes is not about explicitly asking because that can be really difficult. It's about picking up on the little things and knowing when to ask questions that are insightful and putting it all together. I wanted to ask about this because I feel like it's a topic on a lot of people's minds, but like financially speaking, right? So again, one of the debates between people going to specialty or not right out of school is 
you know, like how much of a burden is it financially for someone that, for example, takes out loans to go to school and then they take out more loans to go into residency, right? Um, especially like something like ortho where, you know, you go to UBC, uh, which in, for, in Canadian terms is still quite an expensive school, but, you know, a lot of people end up going to the States where your tuition can be almost like a hundred grand a year, right? Plus living costs. So can you speak to like that sort of that financial stress of, you know, committing to a specialty education right out of school? Yeah, it's, I think you nailed it on the head. It's very difficult because UBC is an expensive program. It's about 55 grand a year. Um, You know, obviously I do get some support from OSAP, like those grants and loans, but, you know, I have to really dip into my line of credit and cost of living here isn't the cheapest. So it's definitely difficult. Um, But the way I kind of look at it, and maybe you guys will look at it differently, but the earlier you get into specialty, assuming you can like financially figure it out, the more fruitful it is because, you know, there's obviously that conventional was the thinking that like, you know, you earn more as a specialist uh, than as a general dentist on average. So if you think about it, the earlier you start your specialty career, the more years you are in your prime, right? Like, because you, you might start three years later, but you have, more years in your prime than if you went to practice for a few years, then you came back, you know, like, you know, you have those couple of years as a general dentist, you made some money, but that money is probably not the same as your specialist prime making years. So I always looked at that and said, the earlier I get in, the more financial return on investment it will be down the road. The other thing with ortho that really made me feel comfortable is, as I mentioned before, in ortho, you don't have to retire when you're like 65 or something. There's a lot of orthos who work a lot later into their careers. So you might start your career three years later, but your career could extend 10 years, you know, 15 years, whatever, whatever it is. And so your earning potential is still always going to be there. It could be even greater because of this. So if you can financially figure it out, um, I think starting specialty as soon as possible is never a bad option, but it can be difficult. You know, I remember uh, interviewing at programs where it was very expensive. The good news was when I was in dental school, I actually lived at home for that reason. So I live 45 minutes from U of T, like I live in North York. So it's a suburb that's very North of the downtown Toronto. But I did that because I wanted to save whether it was the 1500 to $2,000 a month, because that adds up, you know, that's like a good amount of money. And I said, it's okay if I have to study on the subway or, you know, I have to drive, whatever it is, because that money I can use towards my specialty education. So I was already thinking about specialty early on in the game. And that's why I said, I consider my dental education a seven years because I need to figure out how I could stretch my line of credit to accommodate for specialty. Um, and I, and I thought about that from day one. So Going to U of T was such a great thing for me because I could save money living at home. And, you know, like I did some jobs here and there, did research, you know, try to try to make some money, had some financial support from my parents who saved up money for professional school. So all of that really had to kind of work itself out so that I can get into specialty and afford it as soon as possible. So if someone's going to specialty or is trying to pursue a specialty, right? Ortho specifically or whatever, what would be your sort of point of guidance? Like what, what would you suggest that they focus on? I would say, don't think about the money. Don't think about prestige. Don't think about any of those things. Think about 
what is the option in dentistry that's going to make you happy 5, 10, 15 years down the road? Because no matter what area of dentistry you do, you're going to make a comfortable living. You're going to have a good life. So don't worry about that. But think about what matters to you beyond that in the future. Is it, I want to be excellent in this one area? Or is it, I want to take care of patients by providing a variety of services as a general dentist? And think about other things like, what is it that I want to achieve? Like, do I want to just work for someone? Do I want to own a bunch of offices? Um, how am I going to get there? And is the route I'm taking going to allow me to get there? Or is it really difficult? Think about all those things. And then think about what gets you up in the morning every single day. What excites you? Because that energy is what's going to help you in your career when times are tough. Even though I mentioned that ortho is a fantastic, fun specialty, it's not like paradise. Like there's obviously going to be a lot of difficult days here and there in between. But if you love what you do and you don't think about just the money or the prestige or all of these other superficial elements and you look at what matters to you on the inside and if that area of dentistry really matches your personality, then I think, I think that's going to set you free. That's going to be ultimately what makes you happiest. So at the end of the day, be honest with yourself, talk to as many people as you can, shadow visits, immerse yourself in as much of this field as you can possibly can. And if you need to take time, maybe you need to work for a year or two to really figure out what you like, do that. You know, like the more reps you get, the more experience you get, the more patients you see, the more people you speak to, maybe something will kind of like be a, a flash light bulb moment like it was for me to choose ortho. And if you get that, remember that feeling and use it to guide you in your career, whether you're going to continue to be a general dentist or you're going to go back to school as a specialist. And don't worry about lost time or opportunity costs. None of us specialists think about that. All we care is that we love what we do. We're going to be more than fine financially and we're doing the best we can for our patients. And that's why we go back to school. And that's why we love what we do. Jeremy, thank you so much for talking to us. Um, congratulations on all of your success thus far. Like, I'm really excited to kind of see where your career goes. You're obviously just killing it. I think you're going to keep killing it. Um, so thank you for coming on. Thanks for your time, more importantly. And yeah, just congrats, man. Uh, it, it's really cool to see, you know, like the next generation of people that are just, you know, in line to just do excellent work in dentistry. Like, it's, it's, just, it's really inspiring. So congratulations. You know, thanks for the kind words. Honestly, when I first heard about Debbie, I was like, it'd be cool to be on this. I don't know if they ever take me as a guest, but here I am. Um, and it's been fun talking to you three. It's, it's, it's always fun to talk about things you enjoy talking about. And uh, it's, it's been great. Like I just, I, it still feels surreal. You know, when I talk to my co-residents, we're like, really, we never have to do a crown prep again. Like really, we don't have to do border molding again. Like it's, we still can't believe we're here and that feeling is still going to be with us for a long time and it'll help us when things are, are tough but yeah um you know like i'm happy to be here and i'm thankful to be a guest well this has been the business of drilling check out debbieacademy.ca for any show notes or anything like that also check us out on instagram at debbie.learn see you in the next episode thanks for listening